Well, good morning, church family. It's so good to be together with you again this Sunday morning. We want to say a happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are out there today. Uh, whether you're a mom that still has all your kids at home, or whether you're an empty nester, maybe a mom who's lost a child at some point uh, in your life, a foster mom, or uh, maybe a spiritual mom to someone, we are so grateful for you and thankful that God had in His mind, it was His idea to create moms, to create the role of moms, and to raise you ladies and you young women up uh, as those uh, roles in our world, in our families, in our church family. So thank you so much. I want to encourage the kids and all the dads to do everything that you can today to make mom feel special and to encourage her. In fact, we are so thankful to the Lord for our moms. And we're going to take a break from our Return of Christ message series this weekend. We're going to think about moms because we need to understand, we need to recognize better, to pay attention to this special role that God has given to moms so that we can appreciate them and so that we can honor them for their place in our lives. And also to help you moms to trust God more for what He wants you to be in your role as a mom. So today, We're going to turn to a passage that talks about one of the most important moms in all of human history. Now ladies, don't let that intimidate you because we barely know anything about this mom. She was just a simple Jewish woman who trusted God to use her as his servant in the life of her son. We're going to look at the story of the mother of Moses. Her name is Jochebed. And often as we turn to this passage in Exodus chapter 2, as we look at this story, the focus of the story is almost, our focus is almost always completely on Moses. And he certainly was and is the central figure in all that was going on there and all that God was doing there. But I want you to notice as we approach this passage that there were several key women in this story. There was Moses' mom. We're going to talk about her today, Jochebed. There was Moses' sister, his older sister, Miriam, who was a part of God, miraculously saving her brother's life. There was Pharaoh's daughter, who, who showed mercy and compassion on Moses and his family, and who rescued, who saved his life, and who adopted him into her own family. There were even before this, in chapter 1, the Hebrew midwives, It was because of them, even before Moses' story started, because of their trust in God and their obedience to God, that these Hebrew boys were even allowed to live in the first place. Friends, God's Word continues over and over again to show us the absolutely critical role of women and moms in His work in this world and certainly in our lives. But as I said today, out of all those women, our focus today is going to be on Moses' mom. So I want us to talk together about, as we look at her life, a picture of a godly mother. That's what we're going to talk about here on Mother's Day this weekend. We're going to see a picture of a godly mother. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 10. You'll see the verses there on the screen, or you can follow along in God's Word. Exodus 2 verse 1 says, Now a man from the house of Levi 
went and married a daughter of Levi. So they were obviously descendants of Levi. They were relatives of Levi of the same tribe of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, we're going to come back to that, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it, into the basket, and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister, Miriam, stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister, Moses' sister Miriam, said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? It may very well be that Miriam was one of Pharaoh's daughter's servants. We don't know for sure. But she was there. Verse 8, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl, Miriam, went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me. And I will give you your wages. I will pay you to nurse your own son. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Which is what the word Moses, the name Moses, means. We're talking about a picture of a godly mother. In fact, we, we asked you just a moment earlier, we asked you dads, we asked you uh, kids to put in the comment section of, uh, of our Facebook and, and, and YouTube, the comment section there, put Happy Mother's Day to your mom. I want to encourage you, as we're thinking about a picture of a godly mom, not only to put a comment, and I'll get permission from mom about what picture you want to use, but, or what picture she wants you to use, but I'd encourage you to even put a picture, maybe of you and your mom, or a picture of your mom in honor of your mom today, as we think about that idea, as we look at Jochebed and see a picture of a godly woman, of a godly mom. And there are several things that Jochebed reflects to us in these verses about being a godly mother. First of all, write this down if you're taking notes. I hope you are. A godly mother sees the potential in her children. We're talking about that God is painting a picture here. God does not waste ink in His Word. God put this story in His Word so we could see this mom. A godly mom who the Bible says trusted Him. And one of the things that we see from Jochebed is that a godly mother sees the potential in her children. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2. It says, A man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. Listen, and when she saw that he was beautiful. Now this verse obviously tells us that there was a Jewish man and a Jewish woman from the tribe of Levi, and they had gotten married, and they must have been humble people because we know they were slaves in Egypt. And their son, Moses, who God led to write these things down later, did not even give their names as he retold this amazing story later. In fact, we only find out Amram, his father, and Jochebed, his mother, we only find out their names in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, 
in a genealogy. But it says that they had a son. And actually, we know from the story, they had a daughter, Miriam, who was probably anywhere from maybe 10 to 12 years old at this time. They had a second child. Their first son was Aaron. And Aaron was about three years older than Moses. So he was about three years old at this time. And then their third child was a son named Moses. And his parents noticed something about him. The word that's translated beautiful here in the New American Standard, it says that he was good. That he was pleasant. He was agreeable. Now we're going to see here in just a moment, when we think about an agreeable child, we think about a child that doesn't cry a lot. I don't think that's what it's saying about Moses because we get the hint that Moses was a little bit of a crybaby. Moses cried, certainly, like any child. We find out a little bit more information, though, in a couple of other passages. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, by his mom and dad, because they saw, here it is again, he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now that word is a little bit difficult to translate. It's translated beautiful in the New American Standard, but it can be translated, they saw that he was an elegant child. That doesn't mean he was dressed real nice. They saw that he was a polished child. That doesn't mean that he was you know, all prim and proper and put together nicely. He was just a baby. They saw, as I said, that he was a beautiful. You could say he was an attractive child. Now listen, don't misunderstand that. I don't think it's saying that he was merely a good-looking baby. Though if he grew up to look like Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, maybe he was a nice-looking guy. We don't know. But Acts chapter 7, verse 20, really kind of helps us put together the pieces of this story a little bit better. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, it says, It was at this time that Moses was born, and he was, listen, lovely in the sight of God. And he was nurtured three months in his father's home. It clarifies for us a little bit of what Exodus 2 and Hebrews 11 are saying, the picture that's being painted. Friends, apparently what God is trying to communicate in saying He was lovely, He was beautiful, and adds here uh, the, the clarification in, in Acts 7 verse 20 that He was lovely in the sight of God. Apparently, there was something special about Moses. One Bible teacher said it was evident that God had a very special purpose for him. And while other passages, even some of the ones that we read, seem to indicate that his dad recognized that as well, the record that we have in Exodus 2 that we're looking at together today, that God led Moses to record, emphasizes the fact that his mother saw that in him. And if you think about it, if there is one person in your life who will always believe, my son, my daughter, can do it, whatever that is, they can do it, and they will do it. If there is one person in your life who sees the potential in your life, it is your mother. Amen? And listen, I don't think it was just wishful thinking by a proud mama. I believe what Jochebed was reflecting, what her dad even was reflecting, but what they were reflecting was the heart of God, the will of God for this baby. 
and really the heart of God and the will of God in a sense for every child that's born. Every single child was created by God for some special, unique purpose. And isn't it often true that it's our moms who see that more than anybody else in us, even when others don't? It's our moms who affirm that special purpose that God has His hand on our lives. And Jochebed obviously saw something special in Moses. And like I said, it wasn't just that he was a cute baby. I believe that God is trying to give us a clue all across His Word by emphasizing it several times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that she could tell there was something truly special. We don't know how. It doesn't mean he had a halo like you see sometimes in paintings you know, of, of, of during those times. No, that's not what we're saying. She could tell there was something special about this boy. She saw that God had His hand on Moses' life even from the very beginning. Moms, thank you for having a heart for God. Thank you many times for having a special connection with God. There's something special. You can see it. You can sense it in the heart of these mothers. And they believe in us. And they encourage us. Maybe when no one else sees it or affirms it in us. And even more than that, they see that God is up to something. Not just that we're special or that our lives are special, but they see that there's, there's a purpose that God has for our lives. Now, maybe the reverse side of that is a challenge for our moms to be careful about. Be sure that we are encouraging our children in that way. Sometimes that sense that mom has of seeing such potential can actually develop in a wrong direction of developing very high, maybe unreasonable expectations. And certainly, there's a place, isn't there, for moms and dads to challenge our kids, to be their best, to do their best for God. But I think we need to be super careful about that. There will be enough people in this world who are placing unrealistic expectations on your children, mostly what they need from us as parents, what they need from you, mom, is a sense that we believe in them. And moms are a big part of that. I don't mean as often as indicated today in our culture, telling your child everybody deserves a trophy or, or, or always telling our child you're wonderful and really there's some things they need to work on. But at the end of the day, does your child know? I see it. And I believe with all my heart that God has his hand on your life, son. On your life, sweetheart. I'm your mom and I see that. And I affirm that. So this passage, this godly mother shows us. One of the, one of the things that God does through a godly mother is that she sees her kids. And she sees even from very early on that God has a special purpose. She sees that potential in their lives. But also, this passage shows us that a godly mother protects her children. Let me go back to the end of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3. The Bible says, The woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. 
Now really, as we study the Bible and really as we just kind of observe life, we get the sense that the parent who has the biggest role in protecting the family in a great way is the dad. God calls husbands, God calls dads to a watching over their family ministry. We even see that through dads being made physically, often bigger and stronger physically with deeper voices. And they kind of have a, don't mess with my wife and my kids or you're going to have to answer to me perspective. And dads, we better make sure that we're fulfilling that role in our families. And it's not just a, I'll whoop anyone who tries to mess with my family. It's not just talking about physically protecting your family, even though that is true. But it's also dads. I am ultimately responsible for the spiritual protection of my family. Dads, we're talking about reading the Bible. We're talking about praying with your family. We're talking about serving. We're talking about being involved in a church family, being an example, a godly example. And I know this is such a struggle for men so many times, but guys, giving, serving, being involved, watching the influences in your home. Unfortunately, many times moms have to pick up that ball and run with it because many dads don't. Guys, it might be that the greatest gift you could give your wife this Mother's Day is to begin to realize and ask God to help you to grow into that role for your family. And I believe even if she's not saying amen right now, in your wife's heart right now is that desire, yes, Yes, that would be the greatest thing that you could do for me. But even though dads, yes, have a critical role in covering or protecting our families, there's another sense in which a mom, a wife, is very protective of her family. That goes for her kids. That also goes for her husband. And it's true. She does. She partners together with her husband, with the dad, to make sure the children are taken care of. And we see both of those things in the story of Moses' life. In other words, we see a mom and dad working together to raise their children to do right, to walk by faith. We saw that in Hebrews 11. We see it in Acts chapter 7. But also, we see that special role here in Exodus 2 that God gives to women. A mom and her concern for that protection for her children. As we look at the end of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3, this is really ultimately leading into what we want to talk about next, about a mom's role in releasing her children. But before we get to that, we see her working hard to protect her son. She knows she's going to have to let him go. But even as she is in the process of doing that, she is taking care of him. The Bible says that Jochebed hid her son for three months. Can you imagine living in a country where Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 said, listen, all the girl children can be Jewish children, Hebrew children. They can live, but all the Hebrew sons, they're to be tossed into the Nile River. Can you imagine the fear for those three months as she walked around expecting and then she had the child and all those Egyptian workers or citizens or leaders, they would have seen, hey, that lady was expecting and now 
What happened? Where's the baby? Was it a son? Was it a daughter? Can you imagine her having to hide that child, her son, keeping him in the house and making sure that no one heard him cry? But then apparently, we get a clue a couple of times that maybe Moses was a loud crier. In fact, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, I don't want to press this too much, but, but obviously there got to be a point where she couldn't hide him anymore after a few months. Maybe that was because he was such a crier. And I think that's kind of funny because later in the story, God's, uh, Moses is going to tell God, I'm not very good at making noises with my mouth. I'm not a very good public speaker, God. Here from the very beginning, we see that Moses had a mouth. And even later, too, that mouth was going to be used when it was entrusted to God. And it's very likely that his, it was his tears that would soon, we saw that here, that the reason Pharaoh's daughter noticed that he was, the baby was crying, that, 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 that those tears got her attention in pointing out this principle of how God uses, listen, wouldn't we see that as a negative? No, be quiet. Don't, don't cry. Don't be loud. You're, we're going to get found out. Someone said, God often uses our weaknesses to do His mighty work. In fact, one Bible student said it was a baby's tears that were God's first weapons in His war against Egypt. Oh, how humble. How sweet. How human. How tender. How vulnerable that is. That they were helpless. But God was going to work through that to do a mighty work. So after Jochebed couldn't hide him anymore, she got him a wooden or a papyrus basket. Really, the word is the same word for ark. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm talking about Noah and Moses, I say Moses' ark instead of Noah's ark. That's actually appropriate. Moses had an ark too. It was much smaller than Noah's ark, if you've ever been to the ark encounter. But Moses had a basket. His mom made, if you will, an ark. And she carefully made it. And she... she sealed it with mud and with tar so that it would be watertight and it would float. This was very common building material amongst the Egyptians for the river and for floating on the river. There also seems to be the sense that it was enclosed. And that, you know, we always get this image of, of that, that Moses is just kind of rolling down the river and you know, put some sunscreen on that baby, right? I mean, he's fully exposed. No, we get the impression that his mom fully protected him. That she took care of him. She protected her son. Can you imagine what is about to happen? And how carefully this mom must have worked hard to make sure that her son was being protected. And even when she put him on the edge of the river, she no doubt was the one who sent his sister Miriam to keep an eye on him. Now listen, we don't know. We don't know for sure. Was this just a, I don't know what else to do? Uh, this is just a last-ditch last effort to save him? I, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm just going to leave him to God. Maybe it was that. Or if she knew, maybe Miriam did serve Pharaoh's daughter. Maybe Miriam did know that she was going to be coming down at that time. And maybe she hoped, beyond hope, that an Egyptian would have mercy on her child. We don't know, but either way, it was faith, wasn't it? Either way, she was trusting God. She did not know which way this was going to go. She had to have faith that she was doing everything she could. But moms, you know this well. I can only do so much. i got to trust God 
to take care of my children. How do moms do that? How can moms do that to protect their children, to take care of them? Well, I can't help as I think about that. To think about the practical images of what we see our moms do every day. You know, often the kids and I, we'll be going out, enjoying the outdoors, maybe going fishing or something like that. If it was up to dad, they would go hungry. I'm not mean. I like to eat too. I get hungry when we get out there. But I have never, I don't think ever once remembered, let's take some snacks, let's take some food. I just rush out the door. And mom's like, hey, wait just a minute. We need to pack some sandwiches. We need some crackers. Our moms take care of us, don't they? All you children out there should be giving a bunch of amens for your mom right now. Her thoughtfulness. Moms are the ones often, aren't they? Who send the care packages when you're at college. Moms often are the ones who think of the birthdays, who make everybody stop eating for just a second and get a picture so we'll never forget these moments, those marking of those special memories. Many times, that's mom doing that, those relational insights. It's often been noticed that women tend to have Um, And and we see it even biblically, but we see it practically and psychologically that women tend to be more naturally gifted with relationships. And so moms often have that sense about things. We call it women's intuition. Mom many times can protect us by saying, hey, there's some things that you need to watch out for. There's some things that I'm concerned about with that relationship or this person I'm not sure is the best person for you. You need to be careful about that. Moms often are helping to watch those influences that come into our homes, aren't you? Whether it's alcohol, whether it's movies, whether it's how we use our devices, whether it's what friends we have, whether it's the language that we use. It's true, isn't it? Moms tend to be more conservative, aren't they? And dads tend to push the edges a little bit more. Some of that can be good, but sometimes it's not. And often, unfortunately for us dads, we're, we're not even paying attention to some of those things. I hope that's not true. I don't think that's true at New Hope. I believe we've got men who are desiring to show up and to be the men of God that He's called us to be. But it's something we have to pay attention to, and it's something we can affirm in the moms. There's a real role in the family for moms to just give that consideration of some things that maybe we need to think about, we need to be a little bit careful about. There's that spiritual protection Yes, we've affirmed that dads have a real role in giving that guidance and giving, having that responsibility spiritually, but don't we see so many times moms taking that responsibility and protecting their children by bringing them to church, by bringing them to kids' church, by bringing them to our Wana Kids ministry, by bringing them to youth group, by making sure that we take some time in the summer to set aside for vacation Bible school, for praying together, for reading our Bibles together for having family devotions moms so often are making sure that our families are being protected by being exposed to God and by the way at this point we should give a huge shout out to grandmothers as well I cannot tell you how many people over the course of my time in life and ministry who have told me that their grandmother was an absolutely critical figure in the rescuing of their life. An awesome, awesome role. So there are many ways that moms are a critical part. We're looking at a picture of a godly woman 
And moms, I want to encourage you and I want to affirm you that you have a role of protection, critical role in your family. I do need to give a couple of cautions with that, though, moms. Yes, moms are great at protecting. But because moms are so relational, sometimes they can let their kids off the hook of something important because they don't want their kids to be mad at them or even to reject them. So be careful, mom, that you don't fall into that temptation. Also, yes, all of us parents need to make sure that we protect our children, our families. But listen, we, we, have, to, we have to balance that. We have to be careful that we don't overprotect or even try to control, ultimately, the experiences of our kids' lives. You see that heart of a mom that wants so much, sees so much in her children, and wants so much the best for them, that can sometimes start stepping into trying to make things happen in your children's lives. And all of us, moms and dads, need to be careful about that. Again, let me just say that again. Because of our desire to see our children experience God's best, sometimes we can step over the line and overprotect and maybe even start trying to control our children's lives. And we need to be careful about that. In fact, that leads us to the last thing we want to think about in relation to moms today. I almost don't want to say this because I don't want to get any moms riled up at me. But the reality is, We have to realize that ultimately, these kids are not ours. They are the Lord's. And as we look at a picture of a godly woman, of a godly mom, Jochebed shows us that eventually there comes a time when a godly mother releases her children. Let's go back to Exodus 2 verse 3. It says, then she put the child into it, into the basket, and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. We've said a godly mother sees great potential in her children. We've said that a godly mother provides a great measure of protection for her kids' lives. But there's a role that mothers have of eventually releasing her children. This might be one of the hardest things that a godly mother ever has to do. But moms, this is going to be a super important point for you to consider. As wonderful as moms are, as powerful as their roles are, there is something built into that love for her children and desire to keep her family strong that if she's not careful can actually go against God's will For her family and for her kids. Again, I want to say this gently, but I have to say it to be God's servant in our lives today. Moms, you cannot keep your kids right by your side forever. This is a trap that even godly mothers allow uh, or slip into very often. Because they love their kids so much and they want their families to be together, they can almost require that their family stay close to her for the rest of their lives. Moms, while we appreciate your heart, the Lord calls us, calls you as a mother at some point to be willing to release 
your children. Look at what Jochebed did with her son Moses. She released her son. She literally, physically let him go. She entrusted him to God. That's the point, isn't it? She entrusted him to God. What happened? Well, she walked down to the river. She placed her son in the basket. No doubt she gave him one, what she thought was possibly final kiss. She covered it over, and then she left it on the river's edge in the thick reeds on the side of the river. Sometimes you'll see depictions of Moses almost like he's going down through the rapids or something like that. That doesn't seem to be the picture that we have here. Yes, she took him down to the river, but it seems like she put him on the river's edge and the thick reeds there on the edge. And at some point, Pharaoh's daughter went down either for a bath or some have said very possibly it was a ritualistic kind of religious washing that she was participating in in the very important Nile River. And again, did this mom, did Jochebed know that or not? We don't know. We don't know for sure. But again, both were of faith, right? She was trusting God. Either I don't know at all what's going to happen, or I'm hoping this Pharaoh's daughter is going to have mercy on my son. But both of those were completely trusting God. She was letting go. She was releasing. Again, the Bible marks it in Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith, Moses, listen, that kind of gives the impression that Moses was having the faith. He was just in just a moment. We'll read in a moment. But by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden. He was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child. It was the, it was the faith of his parents. They trusted God with their son. In fact, I want you to write down that statement. A godly mother entrusts her children to God by faith. And by the way, she released him far sooner than even a godly mother would have expected. Why was that? Because she was forced to. She had no other choice that she could think of or find. Some of the moms who are watching right now know what that's like, don't you? You had to let go of your child way too soon. Maybe it was the result of a miscarriage. Or maybe your child losing its life early in life. I'm so sorry if that's been your experience. Maybe it's a teenager that just, or a young adult that has gotten out of the house and now seems to not want anything to do with you anymore. Maybe your marriage broke apart. And now your child that you would love to be together with and to watch over and protect and give guidance to 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. You want to be there present for them, but you physically, you cannot, you even legally can't be with your child. You have to release them even on a weekly basis. You have to let them go into a situation maybe with another parent that you're really not sure what all influences they're getting. Many, many tough situations that many of us, many of you moms can relate to Jochebed having to release her son, her child, way too early in life. But no matter when it happens, in a sense, it's always way too soon, isn't it? If your situation is like Jochebed, 
where you have to let them go so early, far sooner in life than you should have normally. Or whether your child grows up in your home, but then they get to the point that they were supposed to. And it's time to break away. It's time for them to become adult. It's time for them to live out their lives and to fulfill the purpose that God has for their lives. Mom and dads, we all at some point, don't we? We get to that point where we have a decision and we need to release our children. Friends, listen. They were not made to stay right up under us forever. I was watching a TV show the other day. And a Christian dad was talking to a prospective spouse and he said this. He said this to a young man who was asking permission for his his daughter's hand in marriage. He said, I raised my kids to stay close to home. And he said it pretty firmly. I was like, wow, that's what you raised your kids for? No, I get it. I get it. I get the desire. But that's the goal for your life. The goal is that they would always be right beside you. Is that God's will for your kids? Or is it yours? And like I said, I get it. If I had it my way, I'd have 50 acres of land and Shannon and I would live on 10 acres and all four kids would get 10 acres and there'd be cousins riding around on dirt bikes and playing football and and having sleepovers and, and, and going fishing and just hanging out together and getting ice cream. Yes, who would not want that? But them staying with you their whole life is not God's highest goal. For your kids. Remember what God said back in Genesis? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Go. Go out there. Do things. Expand things. Expand my love, my blessing, my influence. At some point, praise God if, they're, if, if God leads them to stay close. But what we really want to do is for them to find and fulfill God's purpose for their life and for us as parents to release them into that. That's what Jochebed did. Again, she had to do it way sooner than she should have had to. But she did it by faith. And friends, look at what Jochebed's faith did. If you think about what we read in the rest of these verses and throughout the rest of Exodus and throughout the rest of the Bible... First of all, God miraculously saved her son. Don't you know she prayed that God would rescue her baby boy? Well, I tell you, there's hardly anything more powerful than a mother's prayers. And God did it. God did a miracle. Her son was found and rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter. Listen to this. God gave her more time with her son than what she expected. Friends, this is a bigger principle that we all need to know and be reminded of. Jesus tells us when we grab hold of things, instead of releasing them to God, we lose them all. But when we release everything to God and hold on to Him, we gain it all. We gain all of God's best for us. Not maybe what we thought, but what God had in store and purpose for us. And listen, there's this crazy thing, and some of you have seen it. Often the very specific thing that you let go, when you let it go and give it to the Lord, He brings it back to you. 
either that thing or that thing even better than it was before. In this case, God allowed things to play out to an extent to where her son was saved by someone very important. And that person asked Jochebed. We don't know if she knew this was his mom. I kind of get the sense as I read this story. This might have been another woman who was very merciful. And she kind of knew. She watched. She didn't say it. But she maybe knew what was going on. I don't know that for sure. As far as we know, she just asked for some random Hebrew lady. But she says to Miriam, Moses' sister, Yes, go find someone who can nurse this baby for me, and I will pay that person. And she allowed Jochebed to nurse her own son until he was weaned. We don't know, maybe it was a few years old. It might have been able to be even a little bit longer. By the way, don't you know, moms, don't you know she gave that little boy as many Bible songs as she could, she could in that short period of time. Amen? Don't you know? She knew he wasn't going to grow up in kids' church. He wasn't going to grow up in our Iwana ministry for kids. She needed to teach him as many Bible verses as she could to lay a foundation. And by the way, I hope us mom and dads realize, listen, you should approach your kids like that. Those formative years, don't wait. It is those, from the time they're conceived, start praying for them, praying around them, singing to them, singing around them, bringing them to church. I'm telling you what, God and kids have something special going on. And he forms some powerful foundation blocks during those times. God gave her son the best education in the world. Wow. In Egypt. And her son followed their example. Look at verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. She had a son who followed her example. She couldn't make him do that, but she modeled that and he followed that. And her son became a world leader. Her son became a part of history. In fact, God called him to lead, to deliver God's people, Israel, out of slavery. And God used him to give one of the greatest examples of the acts of God in all of human history. To this day, Exodus, the Exodus, is considered the greatest miracle ever by the Jewish people. It's why they celebrate Passover. It's the foundation for why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So many things happen in Moses' life. So many things happen in human history because a mom and a dad chose to trust God and release their children to the Lord and their child chose to follow that example. And he trusted God too. What a powerful reminder to us of what a picture of a godly mother looks like. Moms, thank you for all that you do. Especially during this season where you've added even more responsibilities. You're working inside the home. You're working outside the home. You're managing school responsibilities. You're trying to keep everyone occupied and happy in the same rooms, and the same walls all the time. So I want to do something as we close on this Mother Day. First of all, I want to pray for our moms. Would you bow with me for just a moment? I want us to pray for our moms. I want us to think about how we can honor them. How we can show our gratefulness to them today. Dads, kids, would you ask the Lord? Listen, don't just hear the sentiment of that. 
Would you literally ask God right now, God, just in your own heart, God, would you show me how to love, how to honor, how to encourage my wife or my mom today? Moms, we pray for you right now. Lord, we pray that you would encourage these moms. We pray that these words that we've learned today have not been something difficult, Lord. I know it's challenging words, Lord, because all of us fall short. But I pray that it's been a vision of what a godly mother might look like. And you're calling these women to trust you, God, that they can't do it. But God can do that through me. Lord, I pray for those who maybe don't have a mom. Or Lord, maybe they don't have the best relationship with their mom. I pray that you would encourage them today. I pray that they would find spiritual mothers. Lord, thank you that the idea of moms was really your idea. And Lord, even if we didn't get that fully fulfilled in our lives, that you are the one who wants to minister to us in that kind of a way. And so I pray ultimately we would look to you, Lord, to encourage us, to protect us, to believe in us, and even to release us into our purpose. And Father, Lord, today I pray that whether it's a mom who feels so overwhelmed, so insufficient for this calling, whether it's a dad or some children who, who recognize how they've really messed up in their approach to their mom, to their wife, whether someone who's struggled over the loss of their mom or never having a mom or, or maybe recently being without their mom, Lord, I pray that if that's drawing us to a point of realizing, Lord, I was putting really my hope in my mom too much or in being a mom too much, I really need to put my hope in the Lord. And if someone is realizing that today, Lord, I pray that they would just call out to you to be their Savior. If you're here right now, friend, you're watching this program, you're listening, you're worshiping together with us, would you just, if, you, if your desire is to give your life to Jesus, would you say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me so much. And I thank you that you have a purpose for my life. And on this day, Mother's Day, I give my life to you. Please forgive me for all my sins and come and be my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you that someone, maybe many people, have made that decision today. Help us, Lord, today to worship you in what you're speaking to us about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, I thank you for joining us here on Mother's Day. We wish we could be here together with you moms and to encourage you. We want to encourage all the kids, all the dads, everybody to encourage your moms, to let them know how much you appreciate them, to have a great day. Don't forget to be sure to comment Happy Mother's Day there so they can get that free ice cream this week. We'd love to bless them with that. And don't forget to tune in at 2 o'clock. We're going to be here on Facebook Live. And uh, we're going to be sharing with you. We're going to be drawing those names for those five moms that are going to win that free manicure, that pedicure when the, when the salons start opening back up. So we'd love to bless you in that way. Thank you so much for being here with us today. God bless you, moms. We love you. God bless you, everyone. We miss you. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.